Welcome to Tech Verified, the podcast that explores the evolving world of technology that enables leaders and communicators to create modern employee experiences. I'm your host, Preston Lewis, CEO of Intactic and the founder of Tech Verified. We help leading companies select the right technology and activate a more human-centric workplace. Be sure to call us first to save time and money when you're beginning your journey to modernize how work gets done at your company. Our guest today is Matthew Boyd, head of product voice at Unily. Hey, Matthew, welcome to Tech Verified. Hey, Preston, good to speak to you again. I was really looking forward to this conversation on many levels. I appreciate you hanging out there later in your day, earlier in mine. Let's just dive right in. Tell us more for those that aren't already aware. Tell us more about Unily. Yeah, absolutely. Unily is an employee experience platform provider. And already I'm saying a word which is fraught with various different meanings and definitions. So I'll break that down a little bit. But what we do ultimately is we try to unite an organization's people, information and technology into one central digital home, one central digital platform. That's what we do. Another term that is often used is the intranet. So that's Unily, and I am Matthew Boyd, and I've been working for Unily now for celebrating 10 years this year. (laughs) So it's been a, it's been a, a good, amazing and and long journey with the organization from its roots all the way through to where we are today. Let's uh, go there. You're, you're a a work tech OG, and (laughs) even though it's only been 10 years, but we all know the technology is moving faster than ever in the best way, right? Yeah. So let's let's take a little moment to step back. Ten years ago, you joined this company. Was it Brightstar at the time? What did you join? Do you know what you signed up for? And then tell us a little bit more about your journey to uh, today. Do you know what? It's really interesting because Unily was, oh, sorry, Brightstar. Correct was the <laughs> original company name. There you go. Already confusing myself. Brightstar was the original company name, and I was fresh out of university. I'll be honest with you. I knew very little about tech generally. I'd spent a lot of my time at university writing, writing lots of papers and things like that. And I came out and it was actually my stepmom who found the job advert for me. (laughs) So I like to talk about your self-made man, but no, my (laughs) mom found the job for me. (laughs) So I went in and I interviewed and the amazing thing is been on this 10 year growth with the company and it has come on in leaps and bounds. It's, It's massive compared to when it started that was still based in the same little business park in Godalming in the countryside. Cool. Um, So that's really cool. But yeah, when I first came in, um, it was a services business. It was professional services. Did I know what I was getting myself in for? No. (laughs) I was very, I'd say unaware, but still had a big appetite to learn and, and to get stuck in. And that served me well. And yeah, came in services, business, professional services. So we had lots of different teams, business consultancy, technology design, developers, all kind of building these custom solutions for some pretty impressive brands. So look, I am going to be real blunt. I have seen dozens of consultancies, professional service organizations try to build technology and fail. What happened? What worked? That is a really good question. The first thing was that actually from the very beginning, Brightstar was very people-centric 
and people-centric in all aspects of that phrase. People-centric in the way it ran its business. So when I joined, how I was treated and how the organization was structured, it was people-centric. And it, it used that people-centricity as a differentiator when it went out to market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because it, because it was positioning itself as a very people-centric technology firm, that ultimately becomes inextricably woven into the work they did. So that I think was one of the fundamental pieces that because they spent so long almost marketing themselves as people-centric, they just naturally everyone became very people-centric when they looked at new technology they were building. And that's obviously really important. The technology has to work for the people using it. It sounds simple, but actually getting yourself into that mindset where everything is thought about through the lens of a user is quite challenging. So that certainly worked, which was really good. But the other thing, shout out to our, our two co-founders, Will Savile and Rich Patterson here. They were both really visionary. They drove that company forwards. They worked tirelessly. They supported everyone at the business. And I think a big part of the success is actually the kind of magnetic way that they brought amazing people to the business. Yeah, it's quite an achievement, I have to say. I think it was really impressive how we got to where we are today. Yeah, you said it there, the last page, you said a lot, but that, it, it's, it is quite simple, isn't it? Create a great place for people to come do their best work and it'll happen. And that's what it's, of course, set a clear vision, make sure everyone's clear on where we're headed. So mm. as that was happening, so you come in young, if you will, you know, come in from university, <laughs> you're newer, you see the services being delivered with clients, I'm sure all over the place, mm. then the technology, there's a clear need, right? Yeah. How do we enable this work that we're doing and the, you know, the services that we're delivering with better technology and then bring in the technologists and the product people and then start building. I, I've been doing this a while. I remember I'm from the outside watching this journey un, unravel in a good way and kind of the, this vision become realized. And then, oh, look, I remember a conversation I had with somebody many years ago hmm. and we were talking about this of, okay, how's the shift going? Selling this new technology intranet product and still delivering the services. So that happens, yes. obviously. And fast forward to maybe even the last few years, how do you and team and your role of product voice and needing, mm. I'm sure, to know everything about all things in the organization, <laughs> the technology and the services, how, how do you think about that, that, that balance, if you will, are kind of orchestrating that offer of both technology, software as a service, mm. that digital hub, that internet, however you want to frame it, and then mm. supporting that with professional services? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because the real challenge when you're running a, a services firm and you try to make the jump across to software as a service is designing a great product. Well, we've built at this point hundreds of intranets for some of the world's biggest brands. So we had our finger on the pulse as to what a great software as a service kind of packaged intranet would look like or an employee experience platform, if you will, today. So we, that bit, I think, was almost... Dare I say it, EV, the challenging bit is how you actually start to taper off professional services and ramp up the product sales in a way that doesn't inhibit your ability to scale and grow. So you can't just turn the tap off overnight and switch to a subscription model product. You have bills to pay, talent to, to train and, and grow the business and all of those kind of things. So that transition was really difficult. Now, as we've evolved, 
our services offering has actually evolved significantly as well because the services now are rather than very broad blue sky thinking around mm -hmm. how to design this kind of technology, it actually is now centered around how you implement a world-class employee experience platform and far more heavily focused on unlocking value. So the services we did before were like, what are your problems? Design solutions, implement, and then maybe technical support because a lot of these deployments were sometimes SharePoint on-premises and, and all those kind of uh, scenarios. Now it's, okay, here's the switches, the toggles, the sliders that you can use to change the settings, the configuration of the platform. And now let's talk about value. Let's talk about your use cases. Let's dig into the pain points within your business and how this is going to fix that. So you, like it's evolved and, and, and radically transformed our services really into one which is far more focused on value than it is on technology. And I, I personally love that. We talk way more about unlocking business potential, unlocking people potential using technology rather than designing solutions. So the services has transformed really, and I could shout out a few other <laughs> longstanding employees at this point as well, who've been part of that transformative process. But yeah, that has been a really positive change because that's ultimately why you buy technology, by you, you're trying to solve problems and, and make work better. That's, that makes a lot of sense. That's it. One of the, as you were talking, I was thinking about a couple of things. The first is the focus shifted. Yeah. Mm. The focus, if you will, remained around technology. There could have been a path and, and maybe this is part of that answer of why other organizations have failed is still trying to be that professional services firm to all people and do those big blue sky things and not just center it more or focus it around the technologies being sold. That clearly was, it was a shift. Specific question within that, before we move on to some of the, the other things that we're going to cover, hmm. what we're seeing is this trend to enable a variety of different administrators. Hmm. People that rather than be an owner or one or two people, maybe one with a backup of the intranet person, right? That, that master administrator, but we're seeing platforms enable a community of authors and creators, if you will. Yeah. You're at Intactic, we're spending a lot of time building creator communities inside organizations. How do we empower and enable conversation and dialogue? It's facilitated by people at all levels and different functions mm -hmm. that aren't just the traditional internal communicators or the people you would think would be guiding that dialogue. In the context of an intranet, what sparked this question is when you see the, the toggles and the switches, you know, how, what is the perspective at Unily to enable a larger group of people than to traditional one or two to administer mm -hmm. that experience? Uh, do you know what? I guess different, in my opinion, Different organizations take very, sometimes have very different opinions on this. We talk a lot about distributed governance. Mm. And I also, when I was first coming into the industry, I feel like governance was a, a dirty word. A dirty word. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, it's a dirty word. No one wanted to talk about governance. Everyone knew they needed to talk about governance. Yeah. And it was like, you're in a really weird dynamic where it's, yeah, you can't really do this without talking governance, but no one really wanted to. But now... I think technology has made governance easier. 
because it can create tooling within the platform itself. So I think previously governance processes slowed people down a lot. They wanted to move quickly. They wanted to get technology out. And then talking governance became a real sticking point and slowed things down. So they would avoid talking about it. And now that you simplify governance and, and configuration of distributed governance, it makes it much easier to have the conversations. And it also means you can trial different governance setups and then adapt more rapidly. I think distributed governance is absolutely the way to go. At Unily, many of our largest uh, customers with hundreds of thousands of employees have globally distributed administrators or publishers, if you will, across their employee experience platform. And that's the best way because yeah. no one knows the content like the people who really own it. Yeah. One thing I wanted to call out for everyone listening on this point, say building a, a source of truth, whether it's Raymond's an internet or other technology, often it's a modern internet. Mm. It's one of those things that you think you've built one and you've done it before. You don't know. You really don't. And one of the distinctions that I wanted to just surface is it's that it's why we talk about that balance, if you will, in orchestrating systems and process, mm. upskilling of the team or that community, if you will, and then the technology itself, the licenses and, and, and anything that you're paying mm -hmm. for. It's important to acknowledge that if you're building something like this for the first time, it's a lot easier in an organization to set expectations for that distributed governance, almost philosophically, right? Yeah. If you're up-leveling your technology, your systems and governance and around that to, to maintain and sustain a modern internet experience for everyone, it's a change management initiative. Oh. There's this, mm -hmm. in a, in a, I'm going to call people out, you, you have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's this tr um, traditional mindset of intranets from the old days, 10 to 20 years ago. And we have many, and I, cause I know I speak to people every day that are struggling with this many leaders in an organization that think an intranet is the same internet with more bells and whistles. And this specific point around distributed governance, I think is a perfect example of, no, it's really not. Those yeah technologies back in the day didn't enable it like the, like we can today. Mm. It didn't enable, enable that ability to really nurture the right kind of community to participate and flatten the dialogue, if you will, in a good way. And so I just wanted to call out that big watch out. That is a, a, a strain of work that needs to be very conscious before, mm -hmm. in many ways, even technology platform decisions are made. And would you agree? And any comments on that point? Yeah. Yes, I think I do agree. I think actually, yeah. Yes, I do agree. I'm just mulling it over. And I do agree. I think you have to have done a lot of that thinking before you buy technology. And especially when it comes to significant change. You're right, actually. What you said is, is very right. If you had nothing and you bought something for the first time, you're not breaking anything. If you are going to level up, upgrade to something new and it replaces something, people will make assumptions about it running the same way it always has. And this is, and to get the most value out of some new technology, you do want to be open about the challenges, things that don't work currently. If all you're doing is upgrading the technology, then you're missing an opportunity right. to capitalize on what the new technology does. And you're right. It requires forward planning. It requires change management in many cases and a kind of consultative mindset, really consultative to the wider business about what are the problems 
that you're trying to solve with the new technology? And then how do you involve the right participants at the right points in time? Yeah, I agree with all of that. And that's the, that's almost the double-edged sword with the kind of software as a service, intranet software as a service where we're at now or in modern employer experience platforms, as I call it, is that when we first launched Unily, there weren't that many configuration options. <laughs> it was new technology. It wasn't, it didn't have all the power it has now. But obviously after seven, eight years of constant evolution and investment, there's a lot more you can do with it. And therefore the planning and the thinking is, is an important aspect. So the technology became this really rapid enabler and you could stand up a yearly intranet in honestly a matter of hours. But what you do with all the power it brings to your business, that's a much bigger thing. It, it takes staging, it takes planning. In some ways, essentially you say, potentially you could do it in a matter of hours. That's possible. That, that's real. Certainly Damn. not advised. I just want to say, certainly not advised. Huge caveat for our audience now. You said one of my you know, favorite, you said one of the things that this, I, I, I feel so, it's such a powerful concept you know, in any organization with any initiative uh, inclusive of, 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 the, of what we're discussing. The worst thing is missing opportunities. And, and I'm bringing a little bit back to the, we were discussing around uh, a little bit of a segue into what's different today versus seven or eight years ago amongst the list. Uh, one of the things is how we're structuring the business case. Hmm. The, the, one of the recommendations I have for anybody that's working on building a business case in terms of how to reposition or shift the conversation and expectations, particularly the leadership for uh, what a, a distinction say between a modern internet versus an internet of the past is mm -hmm. around the opportunity to influence really key business measures. And when you start the conversation there on kind of the, the, the possibilities that are now available to us within some of the you know, rolling out and then launching technologies like this, it is quite different. And so I was playing with the ROI calculator uh, on the Unilever <laughs> website. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's a very specific example of, of what I'm saying. How do we look at the potential business impact, or in other words, the opportunities that can't be missed in terms of how we build strategy and embed some of these core mechanisms, if you will, or, or tools, I wouldn't even call it a tool. It's, it's a foundational channel amongst mm -hmm. many, in many, ways, in, in, in many ways connecting existing channels and standing up a new one. So when we think about building that business case, do you agree? And you know, what, what are you seeing in terms of what's most effective for people in any role or function that are looking to build a better business case to level up that employee experience? Yeah, for me, and I've been working closely with a number of, of people in the Unity side of business to talk about this a lot recently. We've actually been leveling up our own thinking on this exact topic. And the way that we're coming at it more and more is actually putting the kind of technology to one side for a moment and talking about business use cases. So that's how we are encouraging our existing customers and our new customers to think about the challenge. If you were trying to radically improve the employee experience and when we talk about the employee experience now, we know it's increasingly digital. Hybrid and remote work estimates are that by the end of this year, 60% of knowledge workers will either be fully remote or hybrid. What does that mean? And if you're going to try and tackle the employee experience and it's this huge concept, 
you need to think about all the different use cases that that technology can serve within your business. And that is where you start to unpack value. Your business case shouldn't be centered around just the topic of increased readership of internal communications, increased employee engagement. These are super impactful, high value kind of scenarios that you want to discuss. Internal comms use cases, of which I would argue there are many, are incredibly valuable. How do we help people through a corporate directory find the right people to collaborate with on a project? How does that then increase the outcomes, the quality of the deliverables from that project? We're talking about one just there, a small one about like expertise location. And that is where you can, in my opinion, start with building a business case is to think really big picture and start talking about use cases which support organizational success. So we've been doing a lot of thinking about this. And because of the growth of employee experience platform capabilities, those use case lists are really growing, which means huge potential value. And that's what you talked about is missed opportunity. If you haven't taken that step back up front and started to think about all the different use cases you're going to solve, then you're not able to present to your business leadership for that buy-in or that sign-off that you're not demonstrating necessarily the full potential value that it could bring to your business. Putting you on the spot, that's part of what I get to do as a podcast host. <laughs> yes. Um, what, what are you seeing if you had to pick one or two opportunities that can't be missed for really you know, building the right case for in, in <laughs> investing in, in leveling up employee experience platforms? What, what are you seeing seal the deal, if you will, for people that are you know, making the case to their leadership to, to level up? It's a really good question. I have, I think I, I have a couple, but I'm, yeah, but I'm not going to share oh, them until you tell me. You don't me. want to go okay. first? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't. And I know this is a tough one because we all know organizations are different. They have different issues that they're looking to solve for, but you know, what, what, it's 2023. Do you have a different answer maybe now than you may have had a couple of years ago? My first piece of guidance would certainly be to think more about knowledge in general. I think that, I think that the change in the nature of the working world, hybrid and remote being big parts of that tool proliferation, being another big kind of pattern of change we're seeing in lots of global organizations. I think actually the net kind of outcome of that is more siloed knowledge, which is both trapped in different disconnected systems. And more and more frequently trapped in the heads of your most talented people. Mm -hmm. And for many organizations, those big ideas, that best practice, that is gold dust. It is, mm -hmm. that's the sparkle powder that, that really sets your organizational fire and really drives forwards innovation and drives outcomes. So I would personally advise anybody listening to this to think more about how an employee experience platform could help unlock or even just provide access to knowledge across the enterprise. And I think that would be a fair one to apply to almost all organizations. I think we probably all have somebody in our business with a great idea that just doesn't have an avenue to share it and, and get it out there. And that's really interesting. I definitely agree uh, to, to say a similar thing, a little different. Uh, Again, the question was, 
what do we seem to be most effective in terms of how people and organizations are building a case for making a, for app leveling the employee experience platform, mm. internet platform? Similar to your point, search, search, simple as that. I, 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 that's just one of them, by the way, I got another couple more, but yeah, yeah. If, you take a, if you take a big step back and again, we talked mm. about creating human centered workplaces and we're all people, we're all waking up in the morning and we're showing up at work, wherever you are and yeah. an employee experience, digital platform, call it what you want is, uh, you, there's this unconscious value associated with going to this little browser, right? <laughs> and experiencing something we define value as addressing concerns. We need to look for something. When I say search, both searching for what it is that you need and looking to see what the latest and greatest is, meaning news, announcements, what's top of mind. We love to be pushed content. So I mm. say search, findability, access. You said it. Access is, yeah. we've got this employee experience framework. Access is the dimension of the five that where we spend a lot of our time, particularly in the context mm. of internets. And being able to search for the information that we need is super important. I love what you had touched on, which is, look, yeah, you can search for information, but the only the, searching for the information is only good as the data that's there. How do we enable people throughout the organization to make sure? And it's a knowledge management conversation, right? Make sure that they've documented, illustrated, shared their thinking, their insights, their ideas, so that it's findable, right? So that people can go search and find it. So that's one the second, go ahead. I was just going to say, completely agree. If we're going down to the level of specific capability, I would, if I got a pound for every time an organization said, we want our employee experience platform to be like Google. And they want, yeah, they say, we want search to be like Google in our intranet. And but what I love about that example is, let's not forget, there's how we experience Google. We go search for something. Yes. And then there's... This unconscious expectation that the Google spiders have already gone everywhere they need to go to make sure that the data is there. So it's this, gosh, our life is pretty easy. They've done all the work and we just need to ask for what we want. That's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the, 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 the second piece I, I didn't want, I wanted to make sure I mentioned is really thinking about connection in our new world of work and how the, the, how we identify people we want to have a relationship with. I'm, I'm saying mm -hmm. that in a specific way, meaning let's say you're new to an organization, you need to find somebody who knows something. Let's say that you've been in an organization for a long time and you're really curious to see all who all these new people are, right? We're all particularly around your point you made earlier of working from all these new and different places, inclusive mm -hmm. of our offices um, and at our employer sites. How do we build connection and relationships and how can a technology platform enable that? Another great example of what's different today when we think about modern internets, right? But Definitely. if we can get those two things right, we talk about you know, increasing levels of engagement. Mm. It doesn't feel good to not access, to not be able to find the information we need to get our job done. It doesn't look good when you're spending too much of your time searching, as McKinsey says, that 20%. How do we mm. attack that 20% of time that people are wasting looking for stuff they can't find? In terms of digital well-being, which we're talking a lot more about today, more mm. than ever, again, it just doesn't feel good not to find something. Yeah. On the other hand, we know that engagement always goes in the right direction. We can have and build relationships and sustain those with people yeah. we trust. How can we enable that trust and do in new and different ways? So 
wanted to just share that a little bit more because if we can really illustrate the value of even those two things amongst a few others, probably that tends to work. Yeah, hundred percent. And the funny thing is about the customers that say they want their internet search to be like Google, so they're not wrong. Because what they're really saying is we want people to be able to find what they need, whether that's a person, an answer, a template, whatever it is, we just want our people to get what they need. And that in of itself is a pretty powerful statement, right? They just want to be able to give their people what they need in that moment. Fast. Yeah, they want speed. Yeah, yeah they want it all. Yeah, we, yeah, we you know. I say this all the time, though. Here's the good news. People call me, oh, well, what, what, what platform should we be looking at for this and that? And that's our job. And yeah. it's here's the good news. The whole faster, better, cheaper pick two. Yes. That actually doesn't apply here. We can get faster, better, cheaper. Yes. And, and that's, I think, a new expectation that we could set. So mm. all very good. I know that I want, we have a lot to cover when we have so much time. I think we talked to many different technology vendors and people that are selling technology. Uh, What's important for people to know about you in terms of what sets you apart? Do you know what? And I thought about this and I think the most important thing to know about you, Lee, it's actually got a lot less to do with our product than I thought I might (laughs) initially answer. The most important thing for people to know about you, Lee, is that we walk the walk. Everything that we do for our customers, we do ourselves internally. Every internet feature that we have said is great and that you should look at and can add value to your business, we're already doing it. We're already trialing it. We're already actively using it, embedding it within our teams and getting the value for our own organization. Whether it's super powerful search, whether it's better internal communications delivery for for higher levels of engagement, whether it's knowledge portals, whatever that is, we're doing it and we love it. That is, that's the crux of it. Our internal teams, you get something out of the innovation lab and say, Hey, do you want to, do you want to try this in our employee experience platform? They'll take your arm off as they snatch the item off you. Yes. Is the answer resoundingly. And that is. It's so great because it means that we know that what we're building, how we're innovating, it's actually going to add value and that it's, it's going to meet the needs and, and deal with the problems that modern organizations face. So that part of Unily is something that I'd like more people to know about. We're in there, we're going through similar challenges, if not the same challenges, many organizations out there, and we're applying our technology to overcome those hurdles. What do you look for in an organization to really, you and team, of course, I keep saying you, I'm representing <laughs> the whole organization. What are you all looking for uh, in an organization? We say, this is the kind of a company that we know we can deliver a lot of value. This one is actually quite easy to answer. We just want to work with organizations that truly want to improve their employee experience. If you have passion to do more for your people, to make them feel more connected to your business, to feel more valued, to feel more deeply connected to the work they do, how it impacts the big picture, feel more connected to their peers, to your leadership, to every part of that organization. If these are the kind of aspirations you have, And you understand that technology is going to be a significant part of that process, 
then those are the organizations we want to work with. Because when you've got that passion and you couple that with the kind of modern technology that's available in the market today, you really can achieve incredible things. And all the organizations we work with, they have that passion. They have that fire to do more for their people. And that almost guarantees their success because yeah. they constantly innovate, constantly push boundaries and, and try to improve. Yeah, it's becoming more and more clear when lead, I'm going to go back to the top, right? When, when mm. leadership teams get it. Yeah. Or not. And we often are working with leaders, whether from IT or communications or people, culture, HR. And good news is more of those leaders get it. <laughs> but yes. And it's not easy going to a leadership team and saying, look, this is not the internet of, of the old days. This is a critical technology that we need to enable people in our organization to do our best work. And we help leaders fight the right fight, you know, make the right case. Uh, having said that, we can sniff it out pretty easily. Is this going to work or is this not? How hard is that fight going to be? Uh, and, I, and I say the word fight, but sometimes it feels like that. It's making a case for something. Usually there's debate. How do we prepare to answer the right questions? Having said all of that, every organization is different and we really need to tune into you know, what are those things, that, what are those specific variables within the algorithm, if you will, for making the case that we need to tune into. Um, and that's different. Uh, but the... I just say on that point, and that's why the business case that you talked about before is so important, right? Because mm -hmm. you're right. Sometimes it does feel like a fight and that's because there's a limited pot of money and there's mm -hmm. a dozen other people lined up outside yeah. the CEO's door behind you also asking for a bit. So we need to really make sure that when we do that business case bit, we put our best foot forwards to yeah. explain the critical nature of that bit. And I think that really nails down what you said before. You need to build a strong effective use case, uh, sorry, business case. Yeah. I think I actually said this on a recent podcast, but I'll say it again. So I feel so strongly about it. I was speaking to a friend who's a technology leader and he's Preston. This isn't about convincing me of the value. Mm. What I need from the team that's going to come ask me for a technology or invest in technology is to answer this question. What's the impact to the business if it goes away or we don't have it? It's not how much does it cost and what's the perspective. It's if it goes away, how much is it? Let's say we implement it and it goes away. What would be the perspective potential impact? Yeah, that's the case. That That's the pain. That's the concern, if you will, that we need to address. We talk about you know, illustrating value. Super compelling. Uh, yeah. Moving, yeah. But you need to be prepared for that. Yeah. If not, then. And this is mm. about a fear-driven picture. It's really very real. Mm. Considering the time. Especially I'm jealous of people in your role, such a cool job and it's an interesting company. What does the future look like? Where's Unily heading next? What are you excited about in terms of the company and what's ahead? Yeah, there's two things. Where are we going next? The first thing is, and I will keep this brief because I know this could spiral off into a whole another half hour podcast, but artificial intelligence and not just, yeah, we're going to build AI things, but actually getting under the hood of the latest AI innovations. Obviously, the speed at which they're evolving is wild, but actually trying to decipher the value that they're going to bring to organizations, how they fit into broader technology landscapes, and ultimately, in some cases, dodging the 
red herrings, the things that you think are really cool, but actually when you get closer to it, you realize this is just flashy. The actual tangible value here for an organization trying to revolutionize their digital employee experiences is maybe lower <laughs> than others. That's one of the things that we're doing. And it means that we get to, through our innovation labs, build lots of really interesting AI powered tooling within the internet world. And some of which, which proved to be incredibly valuable and we're really loving and others that we realize it's not the right time or it's not as valuable as maybe we think. So AI is one part. The next part is understanding data. Now more than ever, we can generate huge amounts of data, but the science of documenting and presenting on how engaged our employees, are they going to stay with us? Do they love their work? Do they believe in our mission, our vision? That's a, a tough nut to crack. And we're trying to help all those digital employee experience leaders make sense of the huge amounts of data at their fingertips. So that's where we're going and the areas of focus for us. I'm going to share with you how I've structured the AI conversation for mm -hmm. leaders and communicators. So steal this and I'll look for updates <laughs> against these categories, if you will, from <laughs> your world at Unily. But we think about AI today. Of course, this is going to change, but this is today. We think about creation. Mm -hmm. Let's integrate ChatGPT or name the tool to mm -hmm. enable content creation mm -hmm. better, faster. Second, insights. You touched on it. Mm -hmm. How can we glean the insight that we know we now can do when we embed this technology into our technology? And then the yeah. third is around automation. How can we use the technology to automate certain things in those things right now, frankly, we don't know what those are, but how do we enable people to automate things and communication functions or communicators to automate the things that we know that we can automate now that we weren't able to do before? So that's how we think about it. And yeah, that's been really helpful as I've shared that framework with organizations because it really helps orient to what are we really talking about here? We're going to stay focused in which typically we are now on the creation. How do we write better content? How do we edit? What ideas that we have for content and editorial planning? Can we get better, different ideas outside of our bubble? All that stuff that's in that category. But for what it's worth, I thought I'd share that. And with how you think of, of AI today or anything to add? Yeah, no, I think it, it does. It does very much align with what we're thinking about. And actually that kind of that final automation point would mm. round off the last kind of significant area we're thinking about. Yeah, very much aligned in our thinking on that topic, which is, I'm wondering now if maybe you've seen my notebook <laughs> as you <laughs> my camera. Yeah, we got another camera. It's awesome. Well, yeah, you guys don't need to, to, to further those notes anytime. All right, we're going to end it. We're going to wrap this up. We can keep going forever. We can't. So I'm going to end it with my favorite question I love to, to ask guests. We all go, we're all different. We all go to different places to, what's it like to say, get our juice or be inspired. Where do you, Matthew Boy, go to find your juice and be inspired? Actually, the place I get most inspiration is from people. It sounds quite broad, but honestly, I like to have conversations with, with my peers, which are really nothing to do with work that often can trigger some of the most interesting thoughts. Um, when we just talk about our lives, our lives outside of work and just those natural conversations. And then sometimes you'll talk about how, oh, like I stumbled upon something, you know, I was looking at something over the weekend or whatever, but it's just the having conversations, not about work with people I work with 
I think often inspires me because they're really intelligent people. They've got great ideas and they rub off on me. So when I have those kind of natural conversations with people that I work with, that's where I get my juice. Yeah. Chatting to people, but not about work. Full circle conversations. I think that answer <laughs> you just shared circles back to the very beginning where you were saying, look, it's the culture in my words, mm. that, that was created at Unilever that really helped enable the shift and change and growth and evolution of the business. You can only have those conversations. Collect, uh, my, one of my favorite definitions of culture is the collective dialogue, right? The, those conversations yeah. you can have with people at work that you wouldn't have had unless you took a job there, right? Let's be honest. Definitely, yes. So you clearly are living that reality. <laughs> so enjoyed this conversation. And thank you for extending your day just a little bit and making the time and joining us in Tech Verified. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Preston. It's been an absolute pleasure.